Dynasty Show on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com edge and get started today. We're going to talk about the AFC North. We're going to talk about all of the moves, recap everything that's happened as far as the offseason, and we're going to talk about their draft and what the outlook is for this year. And, of course, this is a dynasty show, so make sure that we're talking about the dynasty values. Uh, A little housekeeping, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, do all those fun things. It helps, uh, uh, you know, show the the bosses that you guys like the show um, and help support us for free. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens and get straight into it. The Baltimore Ravens, they, they had a pretty interesting offseason already, all the Lamar Jackson stuff. Brad, with the Ravens, Todd Monken comes in. He had a different offense in Tampa than he ran in Georgia. In Tampa, this was a pass-heavy offense. This was the 30-for-30, 30 30, um, Jameis Winston. This was also you had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin going off. You had uh, you had a quarterback that was relevant for fantasy. You had running backs that were relevant for fantasy. Everything was good for the offense. It was also a terrible defense. Then he goes to the the Georgia Bulldogs and he's rushing for 190 yards a game. So um, they're expecting this to look a little bit more pass heavy, but this could be more just a pro style offense versus what they were running with. Not necessarily that they're going to chuck it 700 times. So what are your thoughts there about the coaching changes with the offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, out and Ty Munkin in? I love it for the overall productivity of the offense. And I think you're still going to see that lean on the run, let Lamar use his legs to set up the pass. It's just now they actually have some dynamic pass catchers. If we can see the return of Odell Beckham after being out for a year with that ACL, the drafting of Zay Flowers early in the NFL draft, still having Rashad Bateman coming into his third season. And then they've got some nice depth pieces in Nelson Aguilar for a deep threat, Devin Duvernay uh, with his speed. And we haven't even talked about Mark Andrews, the alpha and major target getter of that offense. So, I think what Todd Monken is going to bring to this team is a little more reliance for Lamar Jackson to actually use his arm. He's going to drive that ball down the field, I think, and it could lean or re- result in really good things for the wide receiving core as well as Mark Andrews and the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and so let's start out with Lamar Jackson. Um, looking at him, he got the big contract, all the controversy, all that stuff is over with. He's going to be a Baltimore Raven for a long time. Let's look at this because they said we are not going to take his superpower away, which is his rushing. Mike Clay agrees. A thousand yards on the ground with six touchdowns. Thoughts here, Brad? Yeah, Thoughts? 
I mean, it makes sense, right? We're going to see Lamar Jackson. I talked about, hey, they're going to lean on that run game to set up the pass, and they're going to, you know, I think you're going to see just what Mike Clay's talking about here, the 1,000 yards rushing, which is a little bit more than what he had, uh, you know, over the past, the course of the past season uh, with his injuries and everything. You know, you see him, you know, projected to play 15 games here on the screen right now, but I think that, to me, the passing yards are something we may see a little jump in, right? We've seen him throw for 4,000 yards before in his MVP season, along with that 1,000 yards rushing. And I think there's a very good chance that this style of offense could lead to that 4,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing with 30-plus combined touchdowns for him between the air and the ground. So I think these are pretty modest uh, you know, uh, suggestions for what Lamar Jackson is going to do based on what we think Todd Monken is going to be bringing to the field. And so you've you've definitely been, talked a lot about J.K. Dobbins. Um, you got the the backfield pretty split here with Dobbins less than 200 carries. Gus Edwards is at one, 127. And then um, you look at the receiving game. You know, Dobbins has never really been – much of a receiver. I think this might be a career high at 26 receptions if he gets it. Um, he's never really uh, eclipsed more than that, like 30, 30 mark. Um, thoughts here on Dobbins' projections and Gus Edwards? I just think it's going to be a little bit more separated than what it is. I th- this is a pretty safe projection. If you look back, you know, at last year, you're seeing eight games for J.K. Dobbins, nine games for Gus Edwards. You're seeing 92 carries for J.K. Dobbins, 87 carries for Gus Edwards, pretty close comparison. Uh, I think you're definitely going to see J.K. Dobbins closer to that 250 uh, attempt mark, and you're going to see Gus Edwards further, you know, most likely under 100 attempts. Uh, If I had to guess, I just think J.K. Dobbins is so dynamic, and he's a year removed now, that cleanup procedure that he had midway through the season. We saw his explosiveness return. We hope that speed comes back now, and I think you're going to see him in tip-top shape and in tip-top health come uh, week one of the NFL season, and I think he's going to dominate the bulk of the carries for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and and Gus Edwards, he's a very expensive RB2, and so he had a very very similar injury to J.K. Dobbins, very similar injury to Javante Williams. It was a multi-ligament injury, and he didn't look the same last year. And he just carries such a high cap hit. I believe it's six and a half. And that is extremely high for a running back, especially an RB2. If he doesn't take a pay cut, I would be very, very surprised if they wouldn't move on from him and find someone else. You know, not pictured here, Keaton Mitchell was added to this roster. But there are several free agent running backs, Daryl Henderson, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, and Kareem Hunt. All of them could come in and have a more team-friendly deal than Gus Edwards. So, Brad, you want to talk to us about? You want to talk to us about one of the sponsors? Oh, but, but of course, you know we are the sports gambling podcast, after all. So, I want to ask you a question on whether or not you have signed up for Edge Boost. If you haven't, then you are missing out because Edge Boost is the world's first bet now and pay later Visa card. 
So similar to other buy now, pay later programs, Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with zero interest. That's right, no interest. And pay back the advance over four equal weekly installments. So simply deposit funds into your account and Edge Boost will match the deposit so that you can double up the funds on any legal sports betting site. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in advances. So that's up to $2,500 that you can add to your bankroll. Right now, my personal Edge Boost double down play of the day is the over for uh, the, oh crap, the uh, Miami Heat and Boston Celtics game over 204.5. I'm smashing that and using my, using my Edge Boost to double it up. So go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. Must be 21 years or older to use. Only valid valid in legal gambling states. If you have a problem call, problem gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Double up. Uh, uh. All right. <laughs> and if we had to double up the double up, I would take the Miami plus seven and a half, even though I think Boston wins. I think it's a close game. So let's recap their, their draft. So PFF gave them a B. They got Zay Flowers in the first round. I think we knew they were going to add a, another receiver. Um, Rashad Bateman's coming up on a contract year here soon. Odo Beckham's on a one-year deal. He's also coming off of his third major injury, his second ACL injury. And um, they they got Trenton Simpson linebacker in the uh, second round. They got Tavius Robinson edge in the in the fourth round. They had Kai Kai Blue Kelly, which is a corner. Then they got um, an a tackle in the sixth round, and then they got a guard that won't play this year, Andrew Voorhees in the seventh round. That was an excellent pick as far as a value pick. Seventh rounders barely make the roster. This guy could be a starter for them next year. They lost Ben Powers in free agency. And, um, you know, we'll see what they can do with that offensive line. And as far as free agency, it's been a pretty quiet one other than the biggest free agent, which was Lamar Jackson, getting him back on board. They added Nelson Aguilar, Trayvon Mullen, and Odell Beckham Jr. So first round pick, receiver. Two out of three free agents were receivers. I think they uh, they wanted to get some receiving um, in this offense. And so you're looking at the receivers. Odell Beckham is projected to be the top guy. And I saw I saw a tweet today that said they have not had a, a top 12 receiver in Baltimore since the year after Lamar Jackson was born. <laughs> it's like oh it my has, it's been forever. And so Odell Beckham Jr., 51 receptions, 667, four touchdowns not a not a great fantasy year and so if you have Odo Beckham Jr. and you have that type of production I mean you probably didn't pay much for him but you can't really you can really depend on someone that's putting out something like that yeah and it's it's crazy because there's a lot of yards and there are a lot of targets to go around if you take a look at four for four great site uh, they do a uh, basically an article that talks about the air yardage available and the vacated targets for each team. And currently the Ravens have 1,200 vacated air yards and 163 vacated targets. 
So between Zay Flowers and Odell, they've got 155 of those 163 vacated targets. So pretty much on par, you look at the yardage, you're close to 1,200 yards. I know that's not air yardage necessarily, but uh, there is a lot of meat on the bone here. It's just identifying what receiver, if really any one of them, can separate themselves from the rest of the pack. I do believe that Zay Flowers is going to kind of be the fourth fiddle right now, and not because I think he's the fourth best player, but he is a rookie incoming into the NFL on a team that wants to run the ball first, that has Mark Andrews, the best, if not one of the best, if not the best tight end in the game right now, Odell Beckham, who they paid money to, and Rashad Bateman, who already knows the offense and has a rapport with Lamar Jackson. So I do think this projection that Zay Flowers is going to see 70-plus targets may be a little little rich for my taste coming into his rookie season uh, on this team. I do think they're going to try to feed Odell a little bit. I think they're going to use Rashad Bateman on the deep ball, uh, and you're going to see some of these other guys, I think, contribute a little more than maybe what uh, what you see on here, like Nelson Aguilar, for instance, 19 targets. I think he's probably one of the better deep threats on the team that they've got, uh, you know, out of the leftovers. So I do think there's going to be some meat on the bone, but I think most of that is going to come away from Zay Flowers and get distributed to some of these other players right now. Yeah, and, and Zay Flowers right now is going, uh, you know, the 109-110 range in your drafts. And, and this kind of production from a rookie receiver – this would be excellent. This is an excellent season for him. And Bateman is going on year three, and he's not done anything to prove that that he's going to be the guy. And so um, if they run a lot more three receiver sets than they have in the past, this this you, know, you could see 72 targets for each of those guys isn't a whole lot. Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we see you know some of the targets from those uh those running backs go go somewhere else too, because that's quite a few targets. For the running backs there, um, Patrick Ricard and Justice Hill, um, th- those guys getting 29 targets right there. But uh, l- let's look. There's no one other than you know those three guys, Beckham, Zay Flowers, and Bateman that you'd be interested in? No, definitely definitely not. I mean, I don't even know that they're really roster worthy. Uh, I'm not one to put them in a flex or anything like that. Um, I think the guy, if you have to, you know, reach down on the depth chart a little bit, is I talked about it, Nelson Aguilar. I just think he's got a little bit of a deep threat uh, in his game. We saw him pull some of those big games with the Las Vegas Raiders a couple years ago. Uh, and you could see something like that again. I'm not betting on it. I'm not counting on it. But if you're looking for a little bit of a, you know, a waiver wire target to go after, I think he may be one that you might be able to sell in season after a blow-up game, possibly. So, Mark Andrews, I know you said he's you – know, obviously, Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the game. But as far as your dynasty rankings, Mark Andrews could possibly be your number one. Uh, and for some people, he is. Uh, Mark Andrews, with a 70-catch, 830-and-7-TD uh, season, would put him as the tight end, too. And so your thoughts here, Brad, on, on the Andrews projections – then I want to talk a little bit about uh, Isaiah Likely before we go on to the next team. I get it. I understand why it's low. I feel like that's a little too low for me. Um, when you're talking about a top-end tight end, I know he's only been over 1,000 yards one time, but that's 
that's what you want to see. You want to see these guys that's going to, you know, has the potential of over a thousand yards and nine, 10, 11 touchdowns. And with all of these other weapons on the team now, do you start to see some of that volume go away from Mark Andrews? So I'm going to actually play chicken shit a little bit here, Dave. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are you trying to move Mark Andrews in dynasty leagues right now uh, to try to obtain a Kyle Pitts or something like that? Or are you comfortable with Mark Andrews? Because I don't know that I am right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm comfortable with Mark Andrews. I like the player. Uh, I think he is the number one on this offense. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., like a lot of these guys are projected for only 15 games and Odo Beckham's projected for 13. And so if Andrews plays a full 17 games, you're going to see a whole lot more production than what you're seeing here. And I just don't believe in Odo Beckham being able to, to really be a, you know, 90% snap guy. I think he's going to be on a snap count. I think say flowers, Rashad Bateman, they out snap him, but Odo Beckham is going to be out there. You know, he's, he's going to get targets. He's going to play, but he's still coming off of, you know, major injury at his age. And so, um, and I do think they run the ball quite a bit. I think, you know, whether it's J.K. Dobbins, and I, I do think that they could bring somebody in, whether it is a, a Leonard Fournette or Ezekiel Elliott or something like that. They they always seem to, to add an extra vet in there, whether Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray, something like that. But Isaiah Likely is, is interesting because you can get him for a ham sandwich right now. And if you're in a tight end premium league, He's a guy that, you know, could, you know, in two years bounce to another team on a nice contract. But you could see them run, uh, uh, run him on the field a lot more um, this season as well. They, they liked him a lot. But Lamar Jackson has good chemistry with Mark Andrews, and I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I think he is the true number one in this team. And if you're trying to win your league, you got to have a, a you know dynamic tight end, and he's one of them. All right. Well, before we go on to the next team, I want to make sure to talk to you guys about the SGPN app. Don't forget about our Lamar Jackson giveaway. All you got to do is go to the, go to our, wherever you listen to your podcast, which is Apple, Spotify, and leave us a five-star review. Send that over to SGPN Fantasy on Twitter, and you'll get a free entry to a signed Lamar Jackson jersey. And on the app, we're brought to you by the SGPN app, all the free picks and podcasts in one convenient app plus exclusive free roll contest links for all major sporting events. Download the SGPN app for free in the App Store or on Google Play Store. So let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. And we're going we're gonna to do the recap of the Bengals. They've had a pretty nice offseason. Their draft, A, Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, Edge, cornerback, safety, defense, defense, defense. Charlie Jones. Do you want to talk about him a little bit later as a dynasty stash? Got my first Charlie Jones share this weekend. And um, Chase Brown, Andre, it, it's Lasavis. Um, this guy is super quick. Um, Brad Robbins, punter from Michigan, thought it was a prank call. And DJ Ivy, corner. And then the offseason. The big move was Orlando Brown. So they added Orlando Brown, Cody Ford, and they already got Lyle Collins on the right side. Jonah Williams does want to get traded, but they're really trying to protect Joe Burrow. They got Terrell Basham as a free agent, Sidney Jones, Nick Scott, and Irv Smith at tight end. So let's talk out Mr. Burrow. 
QB five on the year, according to Mike Clay. Brad, thoughts on Burrow's projections? I think it makes sense. It's pretty much on par with what we saw last season and not a lot of change for them from the offensive side of the ball. They got all their key players in Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, the big playmakers. We do have that question mark right around Joe Mixon and a looming potential suspension and what does that look like? But I think they've got some guys that they really like uh, and Travion Williams, Chris Evans, and their their new rookie and Chase Brown out of Illinois. And then they add a playmaking, you know, dynamic tight end that we've hoped would break out in his time in Minnesota, and it just never happened. But we saw Hayden Hurst come back to life in, in Cincinnati last season. So is it something we may see out of Irv Smith here, given the opportunity? So it all makes sense to me that Joe Burrow is a top five quarterback, easy from a dynasty perspective in rankings. I think these numbers make sense. His touchdown interception ratio is really good. He takes care of the ball. Uh, they're addressing the offensive line to help those sack numbers come down. So you kind of hope uh, that you do see that. Uh, I do. They actually have him projected for more sacks than what he had last season. So that makes me wonder just a little bit as to, you know, what am I missing there? Because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me that that be the case. Uh, but I think overall the projections for Joe, Joe Burrow definitely make sense. Yeah. And, you know, and usually in your six point leagues, Joe Burrow gets a little bit of a bump. Um, but even in your four point leagues, they got him down for five touchdowns. Not a whole lot of rushing yards, but uh, as Joe Burrow would say, sneaky fast, um, sneaky athletic, and they give him a little bit extra. But Joe Mixon, uh, Joe Mixon, I mean, at some point, like Twitter, Twitter loves to gang up on players and like they love when like one person, they get that group think. At some point, like we got to stop correcting before we overcorrect. And Joe Mixon is becoming an extreme buy. I get it. He's a little bit older, but this guy's got back-to-back-to-back RB1 finishes, and people are like, nah, I'm good. Give me Rashad White. Give me some of these other guys. Like, there's nothing that says Rashad White's going to be the the guy for the next three years. And I'm a Rashad White fan, but let's be honest here. He can be replaced. Damian Pierce can be replaced. Tyler Algier already replaced. I mean, these things happen. Joe Mixon, Chase Brown is the only one behind him. And Chase Brown, I'm a fan, but some people don't like this guy at all. No. Um, but Joe Mixon with uh, RB, he's at RB1 at number 12. I mean, if he plays 16 games this year, he'd be a league winner. And you could have him for an early second right now. Yeah. It's well worth it. You talked about the the price tag on some of these other guys, but the three guys behind him, I don't think any of them were drafted before the sixth round. Like, none of those guys have anywhere near the draft capital to even be given the opportunity unless Joe Mixon misses time, whether suspension or whatever. And at that point, like, what's a mid-second? Like, if you can get Joe Mixon for a mid-second, Smash it. If I would probably think about moving guys like Damian Pierce or Rashad White for him, even though there is a little bit of upside with the age and whatnot, I'm looking at those guys as people that could potentially be replaced in the next season or two. So just, so Joe Mixon is definitely a smash buy to me. I hope to see a little bit of an inf- efficiency increase from him 
you know, with the super, super low yards per carry that he's had the last, you know, season or two. And, you know, the Joe Mixon truthers are always saying, oh, it's because of the terrible offensive line play. And while I get it, there's a lot of truth to that. At some point in time, you just got to say, maybe he's just not that efficient of a ball player. So, yeah, and, and I'll say this. Um, like I said, I'm not saying I'm not saying go out and trade trade a mid first round pick for Joe Mixon, but if you can get an early second or a mid second um in your super flex leagues, um, then yeah, I would do that and go win your championship. Joe Mixon right now, I mean, there could be the suspension coming, could be nothing. I mean, Lamar, like uh Alvin Kamara is supposed to be suspended, and that may never happen. I mean, we just don't know with some of these things. Um, LaShawn McCoy was never suspended for his gun incident. Um, let's move on to the receivers, and they have two top 12 receivers. Jamar Chase at the three spot, T. Higgins at 12, and then Tyler Boyd at 50. Um, so what are, you, what are your thoughts here about T. Higgins? Let's go to T. Higgins. Do you think he can be a number one? Absolutely. I, I've, I've loved T. Higgins ever since he came out of, out of Clemson. I said this dude is an alpha mentality wide receiver. He has the skill set. He has the size. Uh, and he's proven it, even next to Jamar Chase over the course of the last two years, as well as his rookie season with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he is an absolute stud and can coexist with Jamar Chase. He's shown us time and time again. So I, I definitely think he had just a little bit of a, a, a up step in production, and he's a top 12. I mean, he's been, what, top 15 here the last couple seasons? So What's to say that he can't be top 12? Well, I I will say this. I, I'm last year he was only a number one top 17 when Chase was out. And so we need to see, and a lot there's a lot of production going to the tight end, a lot of production going to the running back as far as the, you know, as far as the targets. But Higgins was a guy where he was a top seven, eight dynasty receiver. You were having to pay up to get him. He did not feel like you were getting a top 12 dynasty receiver on your roster. Oh, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I this mean, dude had 900-yard rookie season, a 1,000-yard sophomore season, a 1,000-yard third season, no less than six touchdowns. So, I, I mean, what else do you look for other than a guy who averages a 1,000 yards and six plus touchdowns a year on your dynasty roster. While he might not be a top three or ever have the upside of a top three on a team next to Jamar Chase, now is the time to buy this guy if he does move on to another team to be the alpha. So to me, you buy him now, not after his contract is up this season and he happens to or could potentially move to to another situation. So, so what what I'm saying is is from a week to week standpoint, at season totality is is like yeah he had a thousand yards, but how did he get there? So he had wide receiver seventy seven, wide receiver sixteen, wide receiver thirty one, wide receiver three, um, Baltimore. I got I think he got hurt. There's he played sixteen percent of snaps. Wide receiver forty one, wide receiver twenty two, twenty four, twenty three. Then Chase got hurt, wide receiver four, wide receiver six, wide receiver 28. You had uh, got hurt again, I think, Cleveland, 1% of snaps. Wide receiver 19, wide receiver four, you had the weird Buffalo game. 
No, yeah, the Buffalo, that incident. And then you had wide receiver 107. So he was a wide receiver one, one, two, three, four times last year. And that's what I'm saying is you didn't feel like you had a wide receiver one because he was a wide receiver three on, on more than more than he was a wide receiver one. And so on, on, if you would have had, if I were to say T Higgins is your wide receiver one going into the season, it's not a comfortable feeling. Well, yeah, but how many people are you comfortable with? There's not 12 receivers that you're like, that's my number one. There's really like five or six that you're like, that is the guy I'm comfortable with being my number one. But T. Higgins, to me, if you take out those games that he got hurt in, in week one, in week five, in week 14, and then the weird Buffalo game in week 17 – he, he, to me, that's a model consistency. The guy's giving you double digit points in almost every game outside of those. The, yeah, I mean, the, he's a solid wide receiver, that. too. What's that? He's a solid wide receiver, too, in the, in, in the, on, on a week to week basis, on a points, points per game basis. And, I, I mean, he, so, so what do you think? I guess we need to talk about what a wide receiver one is because a guy that can get me double digit points. And in any given week, can give me 150 yards and multiple touchdowns. That's pretty damn close to a wide receiver. Yeah, I, I want a guy that's going to be uh, me a top 12 guy on a points per game basis. The majority of the time, I'm talking probably 70 percent of the time. And, and yes, there's some older guys that are going to do that, and and they might be a little older as far as the dynasty rankings. But you're looking at a guy that was a wide receiver one four times. And that's just not enough. That's that's not enough for me. And and I'm not going to be able to put him in as my my wide receiver one. I'm not saying I don't like T. Higgins. I know we got to yeah. move on. Um, but when you're paying some, you're paying a third round dynasty startup pick. That's a lot. If you're going to put him as your wide receiver one, and for me, like that's that's the struggle right now with with the T. Higgins. Can he do this? Yeah, he's got the the quarterback to do it. Jamar Chase pulls coverage over. And unfortunately, Jamar Chase has missed some time. He, he's um, done this these numbers two years in a row now. Yeah. And, so and now whether or not the ranking comes out at 12 is, you know, I think, you know, subjective. But he's done a thousand yards and six or seven touchdowns the last two years. Yeah. So. And and end of season rankings, you know, that those are I don't usually base everything on that. I look at a points per game basis, but. You know, as far as as far as Higgins, I think he's good. It just has to do with the price. Am I gonna? Are you going to pay pay up? You know, as a because a lot of people have a top six, top seven dynasty receiver last year. I think this year he's probably more like wide receiver ten in the ECR. But it's uh, you know, it is rich for someone that I just don't think can give you wide receiver one production. But we need to move on. Charlie Jones, Tyler Boyd. What are your thoughts here about the rest of the receivers? I mean, Tyler Boyd's a great wide receiver three for an NFL team. Should T. Higgins or Jamar Chase go down? I think that obviously he has some flex appeal there, but with his age and contract status, I think really this could potentially be the last year of kind of real relevance for him. So if you have him on your roster, I would be trying to look for ways to package him and try to get some value out of him now before he starts to try to move teams uh, and he's another year 
uh, older. But I do th- I do think he provides some flex appeal from a you know a week to week basis if the matchup dictates that they're going to have to throw the ball some. I had someone want to move up in the draft, and he was like, "What do I got to give you to get from two hundred five to two hundred one?" I'm like, "Wait till wait till we get on the clock, and I'll talk to you about it." And um, we ended up making a deal, but I just moved from one hundred seven to one hundred six so I could get Jordan Addison, and I let him have two hundred one for two hundred five. He asked me Calvin Austin plus two hundred five for two hundred one, and I was like, "No." And and then he came back and was like, "Hey, Calvin Austin for this pick." It was like, you know, whatever three uh, four oh four oh three or something. And I was like, "Nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, I have no interest in Calvin Johnson." That's a Charlie Jones. Um, he's a good good player, and I think Tyler Boyd is going to be the odd man out. They're already talking about an extension for T Higgins. They're already working on an extension for Joe Burrow. They got Logan Wilson coming up on a contract. They're gonna have to pay people. And they're they're putting a lot of resources in the offensive line, a lot of a lot of draft picks in the defense. They're trying to build the offense with money, and they're trying to use draft picks for the defense right now. And they lost Jesse Bates um, because of it. Vaughn Bell, their other safety, they lost, um, and they lost Hayden Hurst. But I think I think Charlie Jones is going to be the Tyler Boyd replacement in two years. And I think he's someone that people need to stash in the fourth rounds or as a UDFA. Um, yeah, actually, it was. I'm looking at it now. It was, it was 410. I took I took Charlie Jones just before the end of the the fourth round. Didn't think he'd. I didn't want to spend any fab on him, so I just picked him up. Irv Smith. I mean, last year Hayden Hurst was a. I mean, he wasn't sexy, but you put him in your lineup every week, and he gave you like nine points, like copy and paste, like yep. every single week. And so um, if Irv Smith gets that kind of a role, I mean, it really has to do with him staying healthy. 44 targets, I mean, 44 receptions, almost 400 yards and four. Um, that would be a very interesting, you know, uh, piece in this offense, but tight end 22. So, I mean, are you interested in Irv Smith at all? I, I think if you can get him for pennies on the dollar, yes. Because like you said, even though Hayden Hurst finished as, you know, a top 20 tight end, being able to get nine points, eight points a game from your tight end position and just not have to worry about the streaming and playing matchups and and all of these kinds of things, I think there's some value in that, right? Uh, Now, obviously, we've talked before around how much of an advantage an elite tight end can give you on your dynasty squad, but when you're looking for anybody after those top four or five, you really have a bunch of like 15 people that are all the same. So yeah, while tight end 22 sounds really bad, how much of a points per game difference is tight end 22 to tight end 10? Probably less than one point a game if I was willing to make that bet right now. Yeah, Uh, it's not a lot. Yeah, so I'd be fine with this because – People are out on Irv Smith altogether. You've got some Irv Smith truthers, and you've got people that are like, "I get you can have him. I don't want him anymore." Uh, so for me personally, I'd be willing to to pay that back end third for somebody like Irv Smith or an early fourth or something like that if people will take it to get him on my roster and just leave him in from a week to week basis. Yeah, and and I don't know who came up with the term truther, but I, I hate it. I just, I mean. <laughs> 
literally all, you're just like i'm i'm sticking to my guns and i'm very hopeful it's like you are you are the hopeful or the fans or the <laughs> you're not telling the truth because this guy's been awful and i've been you know very hopeful for irv smith of He's been on a breakout list of mine two years in a row, not doing it again. And uh, it's just like every year you think it's going to happen. Hopefully he can stay healthy and put it together. This is a great situation for him, but he was in a great situation in Minnesota as well. Um, I just, I, I do think that Mixon is the buy here and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the rest of it, but um, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. All right. Brad's Cleveland Browns. Got hopefully new DeAndre Hopkins owners here in the next week or hey, so. I, I put I it out there that said they're out on him. I put I put it out there on Twitter. I put Deshaun. I tagged both Deshaun Watson and, and Hopkins and said reunion. The next day, Jeremy Fowler reports, and I was like, "Come on, I'm onto something." Yeah. Um, yeah. So their their off season grade was an A. They got Matthew Adams, Jordan Akins, Joshua Dobbs, Mike Ford, Marquise Goodwin, Tristan Hill, Maurice Hurst, a lot of defensive linemen, um, and Wes Martin. The big one was Elijah Moore. They traded a high pick for him. I believe it was pick 52. Um, and then they got um, Okoronkwa, um, Edge. They got Juan Thornhill, safety, and Dalvin Tomlinson, another interior defensive lineman from Minnesota. He's a little older, but he's a great run stuffer. And then as far as the draft, um, they still, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of picks because of the, the Deshaun Watson trade and Elijah Moore trade. But you have Cedric Tillman, Siaki Ika, and yet another defensive lineman. They're really trying to plug up the, the middle of that. And they got De- stuffing is what they're targeting in that pick. So yeah. And then you got Dewan Jones, which a lot of people thought was a steal. Apparently, this guy told um, NFL uh, GMs that his 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 dream is to be an NBA player, and so people didn't know how interested he was, and so he fell down draft boards. Um, Brad, Brad hasn't heard that story yet. Um, I mean, there there are highlights of this guy dunking, but I mean, if you saw and one, remember the fridge or whatever the guy's yep. name was? That's this guy. I mean, he's oh, he's huge. Yeah, he's huge. He's three hundred yeah. pounds. No, this guy's gonna be an NFL. I mean, he's an NBA player. I mean. You've seen the issues Zion Williamson's having. Um, <laughs> as far as Edge, Isaiah McGuire, um, that was a nice pick. And then they have uh, Thompson Robinson, that is uh, that is the um, UCLA quarterback that I like. Um, kind of a sneaky little play. Cameron Mitchell, and then the probably one of the best values, Luke Whipler out of Ohio State. A lot of people had him as the third, if not the, the fourth center on the board. And they got him at, at the you know and the round round six. So getting the left tackle and or the right tackle and the center from Ohio State Buckeyes, those guys don't have to travel too far. So let's look at it. Deshaun Watson, really, it's been three years since we've seen him as a fantasy relevant player. But when he was a fantasy relevant player, he was really freaking good. And Mike Clay thinks he's going to be really freaking good this year. QB seven, Brad. Not 300 points, just 299. Yeah, close enough. It's close enough. I do think he's still a top 10 dynasty quarterback in the grand scheme of things. He's still fairly young for the quarterback position. He's on a team that's got some weapons, got an offensive line, 
uh, all of those kind of things. So when I look at this, I'm saying 3,700 yards. Now this may be the truth. The, you know, I, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, you know, the, the fan in me, cause you don't like the term truther. I just found out, but 3,700 yards seems a little low for me to be a top 10 quarterback. Um, so I, I expect to see him back over that 4,000 yard mark. I think he's got the weapons to do that with guys like Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones stretching the field a little bit, David Njoku up the seam. They've got some really nice pieces here to kind of build around. And we'll get to see Deshaun Watson with a full offseason of work with the players on the team, a full camp, all of those things that we didn't get to see last year uh, post-trade uh, post with the Houston Texans. So I, I do believe that it, it is not a crazy thing to think that Deshaun Watson can be a top 10 quarterback in, in dynasty. And quite frankly, he's being kind of valued there right now. If I think about what the cost has been in a few dynasty leagues that I, you know, that I've seen him moved in. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the Kyler Murray, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, that kind of territory is where he is right now. And He's, you know, he's right there as a back end QB, you know, QB one. And he's still just 26 years old, 27 years old. And he's still young. I same age as Patrick Mahomes. And so obviously want to be able to see if he can shake the demons stuff from the off season. Um, but this, this could be a very fun offense. They're talking about passing the ball a lot more and they have the weapons to do. So like you said, they've done a nice job retooling. This is a totally different wide receiver room than what it was two years ago, minus Donovan Peoples-Jones. No more Jarvis Landry. No more Odo Beckham Jr. They're they're really trying to – no more Austin Hooper. Um, they're really trying to, to get younger as well as get more athletic. Um, and, yeah, I, I, think, I think he can pop over that 4,000-yard mark, just play six, 17 games, and he does it. Um, and then you have, you know, almost 500 yards rushing. Uh, Watson could be in really good shape here. Um, and then you look at the running backs. The interesting thing is no Kareem Hunt currently. Um, Kareem Hunt, he says, you know, doesn't seem like he's going to come back. It could happen. But is it Jerome Ford season, Brad? I mean, he's definitely the number two. They really like him in Cleveland. Uh, you know, you saw a little bit of work out of him. And the I think the big thing that outside of the fact that, okay, yeah, he didn't he didn't touch the ball a lot on the offensive side, but he did return kicks. So that to me says, hey, we like where you're at from an explosion standpoint, from a vision standpoint, and you may get opportunity if we do not bring Kareem Hunt back. And I think if they don't, they're comfortable with where Jerome Ford is. But do I want him right now? Am I going to treat him like what Kareem Hunt was being treated before? No, because of what you have on the screen from Paul, and I am in 100% agreement with the fact that I think Nick Chubb stays over 300 carries like he was last year. And I think you see a little bit of an uptick in the receiving game. This is – call me crazy again. This is quite possibly – the opportunity for Nick Chubb to have one of his best fantasy seasons to date with another year with Deshaun Watson in that offense, no Kareem Hunt to take carries away, and a continued addition 
an investment into the offensive line with Dewan Jones and Luke Whipler, like he talked about, along with the return of all the other guys uh, on that on that line. So I, I think the running back, they're very happy with the running back room, which is why you've seen them not panic and try to add, whether it be in the draft or through free agency or trying to retain uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, and, and we saw this when, uh, when he was on the Texans. Uh, he has not... Uh, no, appreciate you, appreciate you, Paul. Um, Deshaun Watson has not, uh, he has not gone to the running backs as far as targets in his career. Um, and so we're not going to see a whole lot of that. But 40 targets is not that much, especially for someone that plays as many snaps as Nick Chubb. And hopefully he plays 17 games. Um, I mean, he had 37 last year. So, I mean, that's not far off from what he had with Kareem Hunt there. Yeah, and Brissett, but Brissett does check it down a lot more than what Deshaun Watson does, and so we'll see as far as the the targets for Nick Chubb, and he's he's not necessarily a a um he's, he's not a bad pass catcher, but that's not necessarily his game. He's one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the league, uh, from a pure rushing standpoint, but he, not necessarily you know, someone that's going to be going out and doing a lot of the passing game work. And there is going to be room for someone else. And one of the reasons Nick Chubb has always been able to stay, stay healthy is because there always has been somebody else. And so um, we'll see if they bring somebody else. I think Daryl Henderson's an interesting name. Um, I, I think that Kareem Hunt is out there still. And you could see something else. If cuts are, are happening and other moves are being made this offseason, you could see somebody else over here that we're, we're kind of, you know, off the radar right now. Let's move on to the receivers. Amari Cooper, I still can't believe Dallas Cowboys traded what they did for, for Amari Cooper. He's obviously not done yet. Uh, Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the league, and he showed last year with Jacoby Brissett, one of the best receivers in the game. And so they got him at wide receiver 19. And I know I had Amari Cooper on, on one of my championship teams last year, and I was loving it because it was, it was my wide receiver three or four going into the season and I could play him every single week. Now he gets to Sean Watson. I know I just don't play him when it's away. It's fine. Just don't play Amari Cooper in away games, but you know, eight games of the year, I'm going to be locked and loading, putting him in my lineup. Yeah. It's, I think he's top 15. I think this is low. Now I'm not saying he, there, it, there's definitely the potential that he is able to have another top. I think he was number 10, another top 10 PPR season. I just think with the addition of Elijah Moore, I, I and another year with Deshaun Watson, I think you're going to start to see some things shift around a little bit. Uh, so, but I do think there's a very high likelihood that he's a top 15 receiver and he will definitely be a top 15 receiver for me in any startups that I'm doing this year. Uh, the dude can just catch the ball. He can get open in all situations. He's a touchdown magnet as well, which I think is another big, a big plus for him, right? You're seeing set, you know, over the last six years, seven touchdowns, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns, five touchdowns, but he missed some games and then eight touchdowns, nine touch. Like it's just, the dude is just, he can just catch them. He, he knows how to get open. He knows the finesse. And I think with the conversation I had around Deshaun Watson earlier uh, with, I think we're a little low, low on yardage and touchdowns. I think Amari Cooper is going to be the benefactor of more of those touchdowns as well, which is going to bump him up from that 19 for me into the top 15. 
Yeah, I'm looking right at Elijah Moore, and and I just you have QB seven, and then you have wide receiver nineteen, not uh, not a wide receiver one, and then you have wide receiver seventy one and seventy three, and then one hundred and seventeen. That just doesn't add up. Like those nope. things don't compute. Somebody is going, someone else is going to pop if Deshaun Watson is going to have even a 3,700 yard season. And so I, I like Cedric Tillman, but I think Elijah Moore is the play. And I think you can get him for very cheap right now, get him for a late second round pick and roll with it. You talk about draft capital, they gave up a early, early second round pick for, for him. That is good draft capital in a good draft class. They could have drafted somebody, and instead they said, I want Elijah Moore on my, on my roster, and he fits perfectly in the slot, which is where it was a real struggle for the Jets because they wanted to put everyone else in the slot except for him, Braxton Berrios. They want to put double tight ends. Elijah Moore is definitely the play, and I like Cedric Tillman. Um, you know, I had a, a joke in one of my, my drafts with Brad. I traded traded up just to get Cedric Tillman ahead of Brad. Sneaky, but, sneaky. But let's be honest here. I've, I've been on Tillman before he was on the Browns. He's been one of my guys, and he's a good yards after the catch guy. He's not um, He's not a speedster. He's not a deep down the field threat. I think he's a very good complement to the rest of the pieces they have because he's a big receiver. Elijah Moore is small. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a big receiver, but he's not necessarily a polished route runner, more of a athletic jump ball deep threat. Tillman is going to be a chain mover for this team. And when they need those tough yardage, he's their guy. And he is a beast once he gets the ball in his hands and is, is really tough to tackle. Um, any thoughts on anyone else on this roster? No, no, I would say just the, I think there's going to be a bigger, a, a Delta because there's currently not a Delta really between DPJ and more. Uh, I, I do think Elijah Moore is going to be second and on the team in targets. I just think his ability to get open, Deshaun Watson is going to throw to the open guy. He's much better at distributing the ball. He's not going to force it into tight windows when he doesn't need to. And when you have guys like Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore who can create that separation, I think he's going to be more likely to go to them and less likely to go to a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones who doesn't create a ton of separation, but can come down with those contested catches balls down the field. So while he's still going to get those, don't get me wrong. I think he's got Deshaun Watson is just going to be more comfortable with Moore and Cooper. And then I think the last thing I wanted to say was around the, you know, the ranking that, that Mike Clay has Deshaun Watson at, at number seven. I do think a lot of that has to do with that 500 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns that they have projected for him as well, which we really didn't talk too much about his rushing, which is definitely a part of his game. Uh, you know, if you think back to his time in, in Houston. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and that does make sense. Um, but like I said, and, and maybe this is a, you know, four point um, passing touchdown, but uh, I, I do think that another receiver, whether it's people's Jones, Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, somebody else is going to emerge. And if not, Amari Cooper is going to have a higher ranking. Um, you know, we'll see. DeAndre Hopkins comes onto this roster, and you can see a lot of projections change. And yeah, that- it's going to be different. And I, I think you're going to see – I mean, you're going to – like I said, I, Amari Cooper is going to 
take those targets. I think Moore's up there. You talked about Tillman. They've just got the ability to distribute it wherever they want. So, I can, so Njoku, I'm excited. I'm excited. David Njoku, 51, 567, and 5 for a tight end 11 finish. Not that exciting. Um, what are your thoughts here about David Njoku? Uh, that feels about right. I, you know, at best, he's going to be the third option. Um, I don't think he's going to be, and you can kind of see, it looks to me like Mike Clay doesn't want to make the real projection of who is the second option because he's got DPJ, Elijah Moore, and David Njoku all at 70 targets. Come on, man. Make a projection here. Help me out a little bit. Uh, Elijah it's Moore, not going to be that. Targets. Somebody's going to separate themselves. Uh, and the others are going to suffer from that. So uh, I think this is a good projection from him. It's a little bit under what we saw last year from David and Joku, but we did add Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman to the fold. So it does make sense that some of that uh, may come down from uh, from what we saw last season. So, And you heard it first, Elijah Moore, 90 targets. I like right. it. I like so it. let's go to the Steelers. All right. There we spent go. A little, spent a little too much time on on uh, T Higgins. We we really did, yeah. Uh, they they added the Raven Clark, uh, Braden Fo, Bra- Braden Fahoku, Nate Herberg, Cole Holcomb, Brandon Mann, Tanner Muse, Keanu Neal, Patrick Peterson, Alandon Roberts, Allen Robinson, Isaac Samala, and Armand Watts. And they added in the draft Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr. Keena, uh, Keanu Benton, Darnell Washington, Nick Herbig, Corey Trice, and Spencer Anderson to go through the positions. Brody Jones is a tackle. Joey Porter Jr. corner. D lineman Keanu Benton. Tight end is Darnell Washington. You have Nick Herbig is an edge. Corey Trice corner and Spencer Anderson guard. As far as the the, the uh, free agency, LaRaven Clark is a tackle. Braden Fioku is a defensive lineman. Nate Herbig is a guard. Cole Holcomb is a linebacker. Brandon Mann is a punter. Tanner Muse, linebacker. Keanu Neal, safety. Patrick Peterson, corner. Landon Roberts, linebacker. Allen Robinson, receiver. Isaac Samala, guard. And Armani Watts, or Armand Watts is a D lineman. A grade for, actually, A plus draft. A grade offseason. Kenny Pickett, year two. Is he, he's, he's creeping into that QB 20 in 15 games. Brad, you were a big Kenny Pickett fan last year. Where would you put Kenny Pickett in this draft class? You're, you're muted, Burr. On this draft class, I would probably have him at number four. Oh, God, people are going to hate me for this. I'm going to say three behind Stroud and Young, and I'm going to get murdered for it, and I get it. But if you've heard us talk, you know I am just not a believer in Anthony Richardson at all. I am avoiding red flags, alarms, whatever you want to say. So I I think he'd, he'd be either number three or number four for me. Yeah, and so Kenny Pickett right now, he's, you know, he's got – he had good weapons last year, had a good, you know, he had some issues with the offensive line. I think that they've, they've done a great job in the last two off seasons addressing that offensive line. It was so bad. It could not be fixed in one off season, but Darnell Washington is the best blocking tight end in this draft. He's almost 290 pounds, he's turned 80 pounds. 
is his playing weight. He's is his swing tackle out there. Then you have uh, Broderick Jones, and, and then Simala coming over from the Philadelphia Eagles is an is an All Pro guard, and so really really attacked this this offensive line last year. They got the the center and the other guard. So um, I like that for Kenny Pickett, and then they added Allen Robinson. Um, you know and and he already had weapons, you know, that they got George Pickens and Pat Frymuth and, and Najee Harris in the recent drafts. So um, Kenny Pickett here, they haven't projected for 3,435 yards, 21 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, 59 rushing attempts, 266 for three uh, thoughts, thoughts here on Pickett. Is he someone that you feel like you can trust as your QB two in Superflex? As much as I like him, I don't, I don't know if I can, you know, I, I am a believer in Kenny Pickett. I think he has the weapons around him, whether you're looking at Najee Harris, catching the ball out of the backfield, whether you're looking at the target monster that is Deontay Johnson, whether you're talking about the down the field contested catch phenom that is George, George Pickens, your two big tight ends in Friermuth and Washington. Like if you look at the situation, you say quarterback a, with these guys, you're like, oh, man, quarterback A is going to have a really good season. I'm optimistic. I just don't know if I can get behind projections any more than this. And I don't know that I would be super comfortable with him as my QB2 right now. Uh, just because I need to see I need to see the offensive coordinator make some play calls that don't suck. Like, I need there to be some more uh, offensive, you know, kind of enthusiasm. Like, give me something to cheer for here, fellas, because you're making it really difficult with some vanilla play calling. Yeah, and Pickett might be just, like, fine for QB2, but he does not seem like a guy that's going to be winning you many weeks. And unless you have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, you're really um, you're going to have a little bit of a, a gap um, if Pickett's your, your QB two, um, you know, Najee Harris, we can move on to him. I guess the big question mark is how much is Jalen Warren going to chip into his workload? And, uh, Mike Clay's got a pretty healthy split to the Najee side. Um, he's got 255 attempts for 1017. He also has 55 targets for uh, 43 receptions, 275 yards and two touchdowns. Has him as the RB15. Um, yeah, save the offense and, yes. and fire Matt Canada. Uh, I think we can all – thanks for checking in, Aaron. I appreciate you, man. Um, yeah, I think we can all agree on that. But I, I, I had – I had Eric Moody on the show, and we both wrote down Najee Harris as our comeback player. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot to talk about with that foot injury he had. Uh, last year and and all the issues they had they also had Mr. Bisky and you know the changes of the you know plus the issues with the offensive line and, and the play caller but RB15 I just I'm not there um, I know he's higher on some other guys I hit ETN as RB10 I think Naj- I'll take Najee Harris over ETN um, so I think he's a top 10 uh, running back this year and I think you can get him at a pretty good value I will say this he's going to be 26 years old this season. So as far as, you know, you feel like you're getting a young running back because he's in his third year, he's an older running back already. 
and that sucks for Dynasty. But as far as this year, I think he's going to be great. And you still can get him at a pretty decent value. And if you get him for two, three more years, that's going to be plenty fine for me. I know there's a lot of 23, 24-year-olds out there that people are excited about because they're envisioning them for four or five years. Things happen. Not every 23 or 24-year-old is a dynasty asset in three years. So um, absolutely, man. Anytime, just let us know. Um, speaking for myself, but Brad also. Um, not, always, not always a package deal. Um, but uh, but Najee Harris, but what about Jalen Warren? He's someone you could probably get for a fourth-round pick. Um, you, you, if you have Najee Harris, are you, uh, getting some insurance? Uh, yeah. And I think Jalen Warren is definitely worthwhile insurance for him. I mean, this projection makes sense to me. He had, you know, just over 70, uh, carries last season as a rookie. So seeing him kind of bump up to 95 and maybe keep Najee Harris a little fresher, uh, that doesn't seem like a bad plan to me. I mean, most teams are going to that kind of dual back type of mentality, uh, where your guys are getting 250 to 260 carries, and then you got somebody right around that 100 mark, which is what we're seeing here. So uh, I do think he is an absolute must-have for Najee Harris because, you know, I, I think you can look at him as one of these high-value handcuff kind of guys. So I, I if I have Najee, I'm definitely looking to acquire Jalen Warren before the season starts. Yeah, and you do it during the draft when people are, you know, excited for rookies and you get – you know, you could get uh, – you could probably get him for a, a fourth-round pick, late mm-hmm. third-round pick, and then you get Jalen Warren plus a third next year or a fourth next year or something. I mean, it's not going to cost you a lot, but, you know, it, it's he, he's he's someone that in a moment, any – one play away from an amazing opportunity, and you don't want someone else to gain that advantage. You want to have him on your team because Najee Harris – and this Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has notoriously had a bell cow back with someone that gets 75, 80% of the snaps. And it's the same, same decision makers. The only difference is, is, you know, Najee Harris isn't coming the injury with a steel plate in his cleat and a bum foot. And so, you know, he had other injuries, you know, you know, as well. So um, let's go on to the receivers. Uh, Aaron said it in the chat and I wholeheartedly agree. Dante Johnson is your positive regression candidate. You cannot have that many air yards, that many targets, that many catches, and zero touchdowns. It's just, it was so sad seeing him get tackled at the three-yard line last year. Um, So Deontay Johnson, I feel like, is a buy. And Brad, I'm sorry, but I think George Pickens is a sell based on where they have him currently in the ECR. And I get that, right? Because he could be one of two things. He could be a true alpha wide receiver who can be a target monster, or he could be just these highlight catch guy, right? He can be, I'm going to give you 50 catches a year. I'm going to give you some spectacular catches to put on film. And and that that's about it, right? Uh, I do think we're going to see him develop. I uh, So I'm willing to to buy right now and, and I did in a couple leagues uh just to diversify a little bit because I do have a lot of Deontay Johnson because I am a huge fan because not only all of the stuff that you talked about with Deontay Johnson 
But also, if you go and look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, just year after year after year, Deontay Johnson is putting on a freaking clinic and is green everywhere. He's green everywhere from a success perspective. So, it, like you said, not only is he a prime candidate for positive touchdown regression, he just wins at all levels of the field. And if he could just catch and turn and run upfield instead of trying to make these gigantic plays every time, you might see a little bit more yards after the catch from him. Another reason why Matt Canada should probably find somebody who can coach up a little bit instead of pretend to call plays. So Yeah, the ECR has him at 32 behind uh, Marquise Brown and Jameson Williams, Quentin Johnston, Jahan Dotson, Brandon Ayuk, Terry McLaurin. And, you know, Quentin Johnston is going at 109, 110 in your your uh, Superflex rookie drafts. And so you're saying, you know, George Pickens is, is around that range. Um, and so I, I do like George Pickens. I just think that he's he's someone that um, you're, just, you're not seeing the consistency as far as the, the volume and the targets and the separation that you are from, um, you know, from Deontay Johnson. He's got some cool highlights. He likes to bully corners whenever it comes to the uh, path, the, the run blocking. Um, you know, those are all fun to see. But um, I'll take Deontay Johnson over George Pickens. So I'm so I'm curious, and you'll probably blast me over this trade because it does involve George Pickens. Would you rather have George Pickens and two twenty-four firsts or CD Lamb? Depends on where the firsts are. I mean, I'm probably going to take – because you get 224 first and George Pickens. If one of those is early, we're talking. If both of those are late, I'd probably just take CeeDee Lamb. I, I The picks are fun with, with George Pickens. But, I mean, if you're going to sell CeeDee Lamb, that's what it's going to take. I mean, you're going to have to get multiple first. And we just talked about it. You essentially got three first if you were the one that traded CeeDee Lamb because you got – 224 first and CD Lamb and, and George Pickens, which is, or I'll do a dynasty price check, but he's basically, um, you know, back end, back end, uh, super flex rookie, uh, you know, first rounder. Yep. I'll look real quick to see where they're at. So uh, I'll go, I'll go through the rest of them. You know, I just, Alan Robinson, again, we had this last year. I'm, I'm done with him for fantasy, but. I do think that they move him to the slot where he plays a lot better. He's lost a step, and as an outside receiver, he's not creating the separation he needs to. He was a 1,000-yard receiver, had great production with Mitch Trubisky and, and Nagy in Chicago as a slot guy, and they moved him outside, and he struggled in that Rams offense. And Robert Woods kind of struggled in that Rams offense as well. Um We'll see here, but I think Robinson will be a good slot receiver for, uh, you know, for the uh, the Steelers. I don't think he's going to be somebody you can start or depend on for fantasy, and neither does Mike Clay, wide receiver ninety. Yeah, I mean he he's Allen Robinson needs somebody who's going to hyper target him because he's not again he's not one of those wide receivers that creates a ton of separation. So he has to have trust with the quarterback and the quarterback has to be willing to throw to him when it doesn't look like he's open. And I just don't know that he's going to have the relationship with Kenny Pickett 
nor is he the same caliber player that he was in Chicago a couple years ago uh, because we haven't really seen the best of Allen Robinson really for Frank over the last couple seasons. So uh, I agree if he's on your roster, get what you can for him because he's not really somebody I want to try to play around with, you know, when can I play him as a flex and, and when not. Yeah, and I, I just I think it's gonna be hard for Kenny Pickett to support more than more than two um, real fantasy you know options as far as the receivers, and you have Pat Fryermuth as well, and so Robinson could eat into some of Fryermuth's production. If Robinson plays better, it will be at the detriment of, of Fryermuth because I think they're going to operate in similar parts of the field with Najee Harris and Allen Robinson and Pat Fryermuth being the closer to the the line of scrimmage targets with Deontay Johnson and, and George Pickens on the outside. Pat Farmuth, I mean, he's he's a tight end eight, and so that's right where he is for dynasty rankings as well. You're getting 60 receptions, 647 yards, four touchdowns. Pretty safe season here, but it's still, I mean, it's not going to blow you away. 149 points in a 17-game season, that's not a lot of points um, when you look at it. It's it's you know gonna have some probably some bigger weeks than than anything, but uh, what are your thoughts here about Primus projection here? It, it's like I talked about with Injoku, right? You're looking at or Irv Smith. You're looking at these guys that are in that seven to twenty range. How much difference is there? Am I willing to pay up for Pat Fryermuth? Probably not, because Pat Fryermuth is not this athletic freak like a Dallas Goddard or a Kyle Pitts that has top two or three tight end potential in my mind, right? It's an easy comp, but I'm looking at Heath Miller all over again for the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? That type of, yep, constant 50 to 60 catches, 600 yards, a couple touchdowns just every year, right? Hey, I love that production. And if I've got him, I'm probably trying to figure out how to package him to get one of these top tier tight ends uh, because I can move, Fryermuth for somebody like David and Joku plus and get very similar production from a week to week basis. Yeah, we just talked about the Joku had very similar projections. He was tight in eleven. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I'm similar. I think for I said it before. I think Fryermuth is a sell because I think you can get you know good value for him. Um, and you can get you know someone like a, a Dalton Kincaid or you can get um, Sam Laporta plus uh, for him. Um, I did a a chig. Uh, a Conqua a price check this weekend. I was pretty surprised at how many people love him. Uh, I'm I'm not the biggest fan. I, I sold him pretty cheap, but apparently you can get a mid second rounder for him. But he's tight end 15, and it proves Brad's point about Firemuth because he was like, I think he got 30 percent of the votes against Firemuth, and he's still tight end 15. I think he came in at like tight end 11 in my my thread. But I just some of it, I'm like I just think people are getting too excited, even though he's he's the second option on the Titans. But like yep. the second second option on the Titans, like <laughs> let's let's not get too crazy here. Um, and so uh, yeah, the chat uh, Aaron asked about um, you know Darnell Washington. I wasn't necessarily high on Darnell Washington. I talked about it. I got to go to the combine, meet the players, and and he was a lot slimmer than what his playing weight is. They said it was 15 to 20 pounds less, and he ran faster, looked good. But then you have the medical with his knees, you have the limited production, 
And I do think he'll be, you know, a Jelani Woods kind of a guy or one of these guys that can really, yeah, with really bad form, push a sled far. Um, you know, like his arms are out wide. Like, you don't, you don't, you never see a guy block like this. Um, but like, yeah. Oh, man. I, I saw like a bunch of people reviewing that and being like, this is just an offensive line coach would have been like, you're running. Like, that was terrible. Get out of here. Um, but, with with Washington, I just never believed it. I think he's, you know, he when he gets the ball in his hand, yeah, he's hard to tackle, and he's a big big threat during you know in the in the red zone. But unless he has an Eric Ebron like seventeen touchdown season, he's just not going to do it. And I I don't think he's a Jared Cook. I don't think he's as athletic as a Jared Cook. I think he's more of a Mercedes Lewis. He's going to be good for football, but not good for fantasy. And Mike Clay's got him down for six, sixty seven. 10 and 67 is pretty bad. 28 points. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we've covered the entire AFC North. Brad, projection, Browns, over or under eight and a half. Actually, nine and a half. I just did the I did an article. Browns over nine and a half wins. No, over. I'm taking, oh, I'm, taking, I'm smashing the over. Well, check my article and see what I think. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com. All right. Well, appreciate everyone that hung out with us. We're going to be recapping the AFC East next. We've already done the West included with a Zach Stevens beat reporter from the Denver Broncos interview and his site insights on the Denver Broncos. We've also did the AFC South. We got Brad's favorite player, Anthony Richardson in that division and all the other rookie quarterbacks as always. Good luck this season. Cheers. Thanks, Aaron.